My name is Katie and I will be bringing our next reading. Um, it's in Luke chapter 2 verses 18 to 20 uh, and it's where the shepherds who are near Bethlehem hear about the birth of Jesus. So you can follow on the screen or in your pew Bibles. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, good evening, friends, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. My name's John. I'm one of the ministers here, and it's really a joy to have you join us and celebrate together. Now, it is Christmas time, and I'll be spending a few minutes reflecting on the Christmas story. But at Christmas time, what do we say to one another? How do we greet one another? I mean, we've got a standard greeting, don't we? We've, we say Merry Christmas, or sometimes we say wishing you a joyful and Merry Christmas. Sounds right. That's what we want. It's what we desire. We desire a joy, a joyful season. But let me ask you this evening, have you thought about why joy? Is it real? Is it for real during this season? I mean, we sing joy to the world, don't we? But have a think about it. Is it really a joyful season? I mean, wouldn't it be more accurate, more realistic to say, I wish you a very expensive Christmas, a tiring Christmas, an exhausting Christmas, a stressful Christmas. Isn't that more accurate? And so why joy? You see, the thing with Christmas is that things aren't always what they seem to be. There's a story behind the story. Things aren't always what they seem to be. Take the Christmas story, for example. I mean, we're all very familiar with the Christmas story. You've probably read it hundreds of times. For some of us, it might be the very first time you've heard the Christmas story this evening, as the Bible was read, as we sang the carols. But things aren't always what they seem to be. And so let's go to the story of Christmas. I'm sure all of us, we know the Christmas story. What happened? Well, Mary went to Bethlehem on a donkey with Joseph. Who believed that happened? Anyone? No hands up? Who, who thinks that did not happen? Well, the truth is that we don't actually know. There's no donkey mentioned at all anywhere in the Christmas story. No donkey at all. Now, Mary could have gone on a camel or whatever, but we sing about it, don't we? We sing, little donkey, little donkey on a dusty road got to keep on moving onwards with your precious load. But no donkey mentioned anywhere in the Bible. And so things aren't always what they seem to be. Or what about 
you know, we know the Christmas story, the, the nativity scene. Do you think what took place was that Mary gave birth to Jesus in a stable out back somewhere because there was no room for them in the inn? Who thinks that? No hands. Not brave enough to put a heart now. Ah, it's probably a trick question. Well, what in fact took place? Well, we sing about it too, don't we? In Mary's boy child, they found no place to bear her child, not a single room was in sight. And then they found a little nook in a stable all forlorn. I mean, we sing about it. We think, well, born in stable, of course. That's, that's a nativity scene. Did that happen? Well, it comes from just this one verse in Luke, which was read before. In Luke chapter 2, we read, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so because of that word, we've come up with the idea of oh, must have been a stable. Must have been horses and cattle and sheep and lambs and must have been also cute. That's the nativity scene. We see it all over the place. But you see, the word inn, the word inn is more accurately translated as a lodging place or a guest room. And so what in fact took place was more likely not that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem and they checked out all the hotels and motels and caravan parks and there was nothing. And so what was left was a stable out back in someone's backyard somewhere. It perhaps did not happen that way. You see, for Joseph being a descendant of David, going back to his hometown, what perhaps would have taken place was that he's gone home and he would have had a vast number of extended family members who would have welcomed them in. And in their house, there was no guest room left. It was taken up somehow. And so what was left was perhaps the bottom floor, which was where some, would, some family members would sometimes stay, but where they would also keep their animals in at night. So not necessarily a stable. And so... The nativity scene, perhaps not like that. Not like that. And so if we go to the nativity scene, well, perhaps it wasn't like that. So let's cross that out. Animals. Now, think about that. Would you give birth to a child with animals around? For sure, you'll get them out first, right? So probably no cattle, no whatever that animal is, no donkey. <laughs> and what about the three wise men? Well, we heard that last week. Well, we don't know whether there were three or not. There were certainly three gifts. Gold, myrrh, and Frankenstein or Frankincense. I know what it is anyway. So perhaps not three wise men. Could have been more, could have been less. We don't know. And the star. We've got the star everywhere. Christmas tree everywhere. But perhaps it didn't appear on Christmas night. Because that happened much later when the wise men came. So no star as well. And then what do we sing? We sang it tonight. Not that I... I don't mind it too much, but silent night. Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now tell me, what baby born will not cry? Have you experienced such a baby? I've been in the labor of our three kids. They cried for sure. What baby does not cry? A plastic one. And so maybe we can cross out little Jesus now. We'll keep him. <laughs> and so you see, the, the thing with Christmas is that they aren't always what they seem to be. But now let's come to the topic of joy. Is that for real? We wish each other joy. We want joy for each other. We want to experience joy for ourselves. But is that also a fraud? Is that really not the case? We just say it because it's tradition. Is there real joy at Christmas? And so where's the joy? 
What about this joy? Where do we find this joy? Well, I suspect for us at Christmas time, we find joy in all sorts of places. Where do we go? Well, we go to all our Christmas celebrations, all the eating. Now, have you started eating your Christmas lunches, dinners? I have. Last night was a big meal, big, big meal. And I was very careful to not have a second plate. Because you know why? After eating the Christmas lunches and dinners and and lunches and dinners, and by the end of it, what tends to happen, I don't know if you're like me, but I start feeling guilty. I've overeaten. And then what do we do? Come the new year, we have a New Year's resolution. You know, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to burn off those calories. And so that joy there, how long-lasting was it? It was happy for a little moment as it was coming in, but then I was seeing my belly and no longer happy. Exercise next year. And so that joy, it's, it's fleeting. We look for joy in the food, but it doesn't last. What about the joy in order partying with family and friends? Now, I suspect there's a lot of this happening and taking place, and we hope that will be a joyful, harmonious time. But it's joyful only for a short moment because, you know, what happens at the end of the party? We're left with this. Someone has to do the washing. There's no joy there. I don't enjoy doing that. And so that joy is also short-lived. And what about the presents? Now, of course, the joy of presents. So exciting seeing the presents under the Christmas tree tomorrow morning, if that's your tradition. Well, you see, last year, I got my son, one of my sons, a really big present under the Christmas tree. Christmas morning, he was so excited, so happy as he opened it up. It was such a a joy to see the smile on his face. And what did I get him? I got him a 3D printer. Pretty impressive. Now, how long did that joy last? Not really that long, because eventually that thing broke. We had to send it back to Amazon, and we didn't replace it yet. I said, too bad. But the joy that we look for at Christmas, so fleeting, it doesn't last. But you see, when we wish each other joy for Christmas, I think we mean something deeper. And more than that, we want that. So where do we go to find it? Well, maybe we'll go out into the world. Let's go out into the world, see what's out there. Maybe we'll find joy out there. And what do we find? Turn on the news, read the newspapers, and what do you find? Well, yesterday, the Australian, you've got this article about Israel. Um, Israel strikes Gaza, which is to remind us that even though we're celebrating Christmas, this part of the world, they're engaged in war. You've got this article there about Putin, which is to remind us, so easy to forget, but there's another war raging in Ukraine. Where's the joy? Let me ask you. Where's the joy? And then you've got this other article about some shooting in Prague. Where's the joy? Where's the joy? I mean, the world we live in is a dog-eat-dog world. It's a world where the powerful take advantage of the weak. It's where the the humble are exploited. It's where the, the hungry wither away. It's where the vulnerable are exploited. It's where it's where there's injustice all over the place. I mean, I don't like to talk about that at Christmas time. But if we open up our eyes, that is the reality. And so let me ask you, where's the joy? Well, maybe not out in the world. Maybe we come back closer to Australia. Maybe let's look around in our part of the world. Do we find joy here? Well, you come back to Australia and you read the stats about loneliness and isolation. Do you know in Australia... The stats are that one third of Australians will claim to be lonely at Christmas time. 
when there's parties, when, when there's gatherings like this, which means that even in a room like this, there may be up to a third of us who will feel lonely this Christmas. Where's the joy? Or you look at what has taken place this last year. You've got mortgage stress, you've got inflation, debt through the roof. Where's the joy? Well, maybe we don't go to the world, we don't go to the newspapers. Maybe where we need to go to find joy, this joy we long for, we, we yearn for, maybe we have to go within. You know, go within, look within. And so it's the state of mind. That's how you have peace. That's how you have joy. Maybe we need to create this joy. We need to manufacture this joy. Just let's be joyful. Well, let me ask you to try that. Be joyful. Give it a go. See how long it lasts. See if it is for real. Because what we find is that even as we try to be joyful inside, it won't last. It's fleeting. It's not for real. It's not really that deep. And so where's the joy? You see, at Christmas, is it really what it seems to be? Is it really what it appears to be? Because we're wishing each other Merry Christmas, a joyful Christmas. Is it for real? Or is it all a fraud? But that's why I hope you're here tonight. Because when we come back to the original Christmas story, we can ask that question, where is the joy? Where do we find it? And we come to the wonder of the Christmas story. The wonder of what took place 2,000 years ago. A real time and a real place. And what do we find? We find a joy that is not fleeting like the parties. We find a joy that will not wane away like all the celebrations. We, in fact, find a joy that we're deeply longing for, yearning for, a joy that is as vast as heaven itself, a joy that will extend forever and ever, a joy that even death will not take away. And where do we find that joy? Well, that joy comes from outside in. Not inside out as though I have to try to manufacture this joy and get myself worked up to feel joyful. It's from outside in. In fact, it's from out of this world, from heaven into this world, and then into our hearts. You see, it's why we sing joy to the world, that lovely carol. We're going to sing it after this talk. Joy to the world, two letters, very significant. Notice the direction of the joy. It's joy to the world. It's not joy from the world. We don't sing joy from the world. That is all out of tune, but you know what I mean. Joy to the world has come to the world, and it can come into our hearts. And where do we get that story? Well, we heard the reading before. Luke 2. I bring you good news. This is the angel speaking to the outcasts of society. The shepherds, no one wanted any contact with. They were the low life. They were on the lowest rung of society. The unwanted ones. The lonely ones. Those who had the dangerous jobs. And the angels appeared to these whom no one else wanted anything to do with. And the angels said, I bring you good news. You know what that means? It means then that Christmas is not a good idea. It's not a good thought. It's not just a good opinion. It is good news, which means it is a declaration. It is a proclamation to this world about what? 
about great joy. Not little joy, not cheap joy, not fleeting joy that will disappear, but great, as vast as heaven itself. And who is this joy to? Well, do you know this there? For all the people. You see, I suspect even in our society, in our city, who are those we think really enjoy Christmas? It's the rich, those who can afford the presents, who can go on the holidays, it's those who have life sorted out. But this joy goes through all the people. The sad, the weak, the humble, the lowly, the lonely, the depressed, the despairing. It goes through all the people. But what is this joy bound up with? What is it centred on? What is it focused on? Well, the angel tells us. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. A saviour has been born for you. In the old English is, a saviour has been born unto you. He is Christ, which means he is the king. And he is the Lord, which means he is God. And there you have the wonder of Christmas. God the Son entered into this world, and there lies the joy we're longing for. Not from within, out, but outside, in. From out of this world, into this world, and into our hearts. That is the joy of Christmas. There lies what we want, what we long for, what we yearn. Now, I suspect at this point, some of you might be thinking, well, I know the Christmas story. Who cares? What has it got to do with me? What difference does it make? Well, the difference is this. The difference is, a saviour was born because I need saving. Now, some of you may not like to hear that. What, I need saving? I'm doing all right. I live around here. I live in Surrey Hills. What saving do I need? But you see, that's from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it's very different. Because what God sees, he sees us into our deepest parts of our hearts. He sees everything. The parts we want to sweep under the carpet, our past, which we regret, we feel remorse, the parts we don't want anyone else to see, we do not want to see in the light of day, God sees it all. It's why we need a saviour. It's why God sent a saviour. It's why Jesus is that saviour. You see, when God looks at us, what does he see? Well, what he sees from God's perspective, now we may not like to hear this, but from God's perspective, we might think we're so decent and we're okay. But from God's perspective, God's, God's saying, I made the universe. I named every star. I created this world. I gave you life. In fact, every breath you breathe is a gift from me. And what have we done? Well, God says, you have not loved me with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. But you should. You have not worshipped me as the Lord over all, but you should. In fact, you have taken gifts from me, from anything in this world, from heaven itself. You've taken all the gifts, but you've rejected the giver. That's what God says. And that's why it is good news. That's why it's good news of great joy, because it shows that I really do need a saviour. I cannot help myself. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we all need forgiveness. I know I need forgiveness. You see, the big problem of this world, it's not so much just the mess, the chaos. In fact, not just mess and chaos, but wickedness and evil. If we're honest, it is wicked and evil what we see in this world. 
And God says, well, that lies, that problem is because you've got a bigger problem. Not so much with those on the horizontal, but with the vertical. It's a bit like a domino. You, you topple the first one, everything else falls. We have a broken relationship with God, everything else is affected by that. And so what did God do? To bring us great joy, he has given us a saviour. He's given us a saviour. And so that's what God thinks. And so that is what Christmas is meant to be. A joy that is everlasting. Not from inside out, but outside in, in fact, from heaven to this world, into our hearts. And how do we get it into our hearts? How do we have this joy? Because we can just skirt over the Christmas story. But how do we have this joy that will be everlasting? We receive and believe and accept Jesus as Saviour. He's the one who has come for you and for me, for all people. But we have to receive him and believe him. You see, this is Christmas as it's meant to be. That joy. It's why the joy we seek is often fleeting, because it's not that joy. But you see, Christmas, the story doesn't end there. It continues if you read the story of the Bible. Because what do we see? The child born into poverty came to save an impoverished world. The baby who laid in the crude wooden box became the saviour on the cruel wooden cross. The one rejected by the world at his birth will one day be rejected by his father at the cross. Why? For you and for me. He was born as our saviour. And that is the good news of great joy for all of us. And so let me finally ask you, what will this Christmas be like for you? Because it's very easy, isn't it, just to celebrate Christmas with all its fleeting joys and that is it and we wait for next year and then next year and, and by January we're feeling down again. Will your joy be fleeting or will it be eternal, lasting, deep, forever? And so for those of you who are here for the very, very first time, this is your first carol service or maybe the first time you heard the Christmas story. Well, my encouragement to you is do not let this Christmas pass until you have thought deeply, considered carefully the joy that has come into the world for you so that you might have that lasting joy. Consider that this Christmas. Don't let it pass. And for the rest of us, those of us already have that joy because Jesus is my saviour. He's come for me. Well, let us not forget, in all the hustle and bustle and the celebrating and singing and eating and partying, let us not forget that deep joy that has come from outside in from heaven to us. It's why we can sing, isn't it? It's why we can sing joy to the world. Not from the world. Joy to the world. Why? Because we believe it. Amen.